Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging and MMA, so you should learn the criteria. You can read it at abcboxing.com. Dan, we are coming off of kind of the, you know, it's, it's always that final event before a pay-per-view where it's like, we're kind of a little excited about what happened, but also we're really looking forward, right? Yeah. Put this one in the rear view. But, Let's get to the next one. But, I mean, we did have a really awesome main event. Main event was fun. Yeah, yeah. I know I know you didn't get to watch any of this live, so you kind of had to catch up on it. And, and uh, But this fight, Marlon Vera getting the win over Rob Font, I think, and and this isn't necessarily a thought that by Monday morning we're bringing up for the first time. Uh, you know, Sean Sheehan has brought this up as well. But this, this fight is just like it's the perfect example for why immediate impact gets scored better more impact more heavily for a from a judge than cumulative impact right oh for sure this is yeah this is the poster child for that argument or that that thing in the criteria i don't know the right wording so i'm gonna call sure, it that I thing <laughs> that thing yeah the thing with the words and the stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the crazy thing is and like numbers obviously lie especially in this sport because it's really a lot of judgment calls and that kind of thing. You really need to kind of see it to understand it. Numbers shouldn't matter at all. No, they shouldn't. But but I mean, look, if someone has three minutes, four minutes where they're on top on the ground, that's that's going to do it. You, you kind of you really don't need much more than that. Typically, right? They, There's going to be other aspects of it. But like, let's let's say like 95 percent of the time, that's probably just going to happen. They're going to win the round. Right. They got to get, you know, they got to get rid of the word significant strikes. And this just hit me right now. They should change it to effective strikes. That's what what the statute read. And oh, dude, Rob Font might have close to zero in this fight. No, as effective strikes. No, because Cheeto was not affected outside of round one at all. I disagree. Round two, in particular, we're going to talk about it. Round two. He's landing some hard stuff. He's landing some nice elbows and forearms and all these things. He's landing. Okay, maybe. Okay, you're, you're right. You're right. Realistically, maybe round three it's through just five. Not, it's just not changing the game for Marlon Vera. Just because he's not affected doesn't make them not effective. I it's, it, I kind of disagree. Different. I disagree completely. If he's not affected, how is it effective? He is not. To say he's not affected is not correct. I, he is not being necessarily diminished significantly by these strikes but i don't think he's being diminished at all so you would say that literally after round one or maybe round two no i changed it to round three through five like almost zero effective strikes maybe a little bit in round five but in the other rounds really that is an extreme interpretation of that um that that wording my friend i i would disagree strongly with you on that he was getting hit but it wasn't taking any effect on him so that's not effective. I would say that up until the point where Rob Font gets hurt in each of those final rounds, you can still make cases for him to be winning I, that round. Yeah, of course. But I'm, I'm my. So does that mean that anything that Cheeto is throwing before then is also ineffective? My interpretation of an in, uh, effective is more so to combat the word significant. It's more so saying 
these are not significant. How are you, how are you calling these significant? There's nothing happening to Cheeto off these. These I are mean, volume strikes. Yeah. You don't want to correct something that's wrong by just making it wrong still in the other direction. Well, that's no, you very far one way and very far the other way, you end up in the middle. That is no, no. I, I yeah. won't I won't even see that. No, not even James. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I I don't even know how to get on the same page with you for that one. But for as far as the immediate and cumulative aspect of this here, just the fact that at the end of those rounds, especially is when Cheeto was doing his best work and, and he was just clearly diminishing, putting Rob Font on in, in a very uh, compromised position in each of the, in basically all of the final four rounds, right? He hurts him in, in basically every round. Yeah, yeah. And every time that is worth more than those than those cumulative strikes because realistically, like like you're saying, basically, they're not really getting him any closer to the finish right yeah well i mean maybe because Cheeto, rob font that is maybe because cheeto's blocking so many of them his hands are hurting he's blocking so, many <laughs> uh maybe he can't punch him anymore because his hands hurt so much you're being a little ridiculous on this one sir maybe i am a little bit i think you are yeah i think you're being very ridiculous well not rid not, not that ridiculous because a lot of these punches were not landing flush or that clean no you're right so, I, i'm not i don't disagree so i i, I just don't I mean, whatever the 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 saying when he was landing. Oh, he landed over two hundred significant strikes. That's what's really irking me. Cause like, really, no, he didn't. So that's where I'm. You at. know, it, he's landing a lot of them though. A lot of them actually are landing. Are they landing, you know, squarely on the chin? No, but I mean, you you can watch back. Like I I ended up only watching back a second time round two for our discussion of the contested round, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but. In that round in particular, I, I remembered that he was blocking. So I'm like, I'm trying to look a little closer. And I'm like, okay, what's landing, what's not? And yeah, there's a lot of things that Cheeto's covering up for. Things aren't necessarily getting through. Or maybe they're just glancing blows, that kind of thing. Deflected kind of blows. But a lot of these are landing. I mean, he's landing more often than Cheeto. And until the last 25 seconds of that round, I still think you have to give that round to Rob Font. Like, I don't even think it's very close. I, I, I think there's, there's it's competitive, but I think it's a Rob Font round until it just totally changes in those last 25 seconds, like I said. And like the, basically the moment he went down and you identified that, oh, man, he's really hurt. And all he's doing is trying to hold on and, and, and not even trying to do anything to defend himself like that's. That was so easily going Rob Font's way, at least from my perspective. Well, we'll talk about that round a little more in detail, I guess. But um, I think it probably hints about where I'm thinking. But <laughs> I mean, we could probably just do that round right now. I mean, we could, we could, but now let's we'll save it. We, we we touched upon it. We can circle back. That's okay. Um, but as far as the cumulative and, and the the immediate impact, you did see some people online, and I think that most reasonable people realized, okay, the guy who's closer to being ended is not going to win that round more often than not. But there's still some people that were like numbers purists. Like, come on, guys. Like, wh why can't you just trust your own eyes? Like, look at this fight. Who's hurt? Who do you want to be here? Exactly. Do you want to be Rob Font? Do you feel like by the time round five ended, that in those five minutes before that, Rob Font felt like, man, I did a good job here. I think I won that round. No, 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 no. Definitely not. No, crazy. His face was a mess. This would be a good example, A, of, of really showing anybody uh, fights that need to to be looked at without the numbers, like, being a, being a thing, right? Yeah, the numbers do not matter here. Number one, because they're wrong. Number two, <laughs> it, they just don't matter here. 
I mean, pitter pit. Not, I'll give a little bit more than pitter patter. Pitter patter's not fair. I, I, pitter patter. Throwing hard. I, and he's I was, I was hard correcting sometimes. myself, sir. All righty. All right. All right. Relax. I went a little hard on Rob Font. Doesn't. I don't mean it really, but I still believe uh, he you missed hear that. Rob. He doesn't I, mean it. I still think he missed a ton of those. So moving on. But but what about Cheeto here? Could because obviously this is a big win for him. Um, it gets him much closer to that top five, top four, top three title shot. That kind of situation he's really looking for uh, here. It's it's still tough to say that he could really just springboard past some of the other big names here. Everyone in front of him pretty much is a former champion of the division. It's going to be hard to get past them without beating one of them. So, you know, what, who do you want to see him fight next? If it's up to you. Okay. So I gotta, I gotta go through this a little bit. All right. I want no rematches. Song Yudong, Sean O'Malley, Jose Aldo off the table. That's fine. I, I can, I can go with that. Uh, Jan off the table along with Mirab and Dillashaw because Jan's either going to fight Cejudo, Mirab or Dillashaw. That's where I would go with it. If I was in charge. So that only leaves two options for me, and I think all three like this fight because it's it, it's uh it's up for the, all of them. Vera versus Dominic Cruz or Vera versus Corey Sanhagen. I think I, yeah because Vera gets a top opponent with name value in either guy. Cruz gets a guy ahead of him in the rankings, which seems to be the most important to him. And Sanhagen gets a high enough level of an opponent, but not someone at the elite level like Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, or T.J. Dillashaw. Kind of like a really tough, get back on track, sink or swim fight for him. And I think it, it's beneficial for all. Corey Sandhagen would be my preference of those two. Um, I, I really, do, I'm not very interested in Dominic Cruz against Marlon Vera right now. I don't I don't know why. I just don't really, it doesn't seem like a compelling matchup to me. It, oh. I think I want to see Vera get a little closer. Okay. Yeah, Dominic I, Cruz I, is compelling for, not compelling, but he's a, a tough puzzle to figure out for anybody. I don't disagree. But I think at this stage of his career, I think Marlon Vera is going to do a lot more damage to him. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't interest me. I, I like I do like the the Sanhagen idea. I think that's going to be savagery uh, on both sides. I think it's going to be for a lot of fun. I don't know how long that fight can go, um, but I can see it going five rounds too. I don't know. I can see it going any which way. Three seconds, twenty five minutes, anywhere in the middle, and a lot of violence in there. So that'll be fun. I hope that's what they do, actually. And that was that would have been your pick? I guess so. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind at all if it ended up being Peter Yan, for example. That would be fine. Uh it's it's not gonna be like Henry Cejudo or anything like that. When Henry Cejudo comes back, he's let's face it, he's probably gonna get a title shot when he walks in. I don't know. Looks like Aldo's getting the next shot, I think. Yeah, but if they do let's say they do that fight in September, Cejudo can't even have that fight anyway. So Maybe do it by the end of the year, January, something like that. Cejudo, right. so I, I'm so I, my understanding is he entered the uh, USADA testing pool in April, so he needs ten. No, he needs six months to pass in there before he can actually fight again. So we're talking about minimum October. No, that's stupid. That's the way it works. He should have stayed in it. Should have oh, kept yeah, peeing. Yeah, that's just stupid. Should have kept peeing. Six in a cup. months. I'm just kidding. I mean, that's annoying. Like the whole the whole process behind that. It sounds terrible. Checking in everywhere you go. Them showing up anywhere you're at. Yeah. On vacation at Disney. They pop up out of Space Mountain. That, you know what? Credit to them. If they go all the way to Disney for it, <laughs> that's impressive. I hope they have to bring their families along, too. I'm sure it's happened. You started testing people, I mean. Yeah. There's no way that's happened. It's happened in crazy places. You know, it almost sounds like a cool job to have because you get to, like, travel and go to all these cool places. It sounds like a job I want nothing to do with. That well, like... I mean, I don't want to ask people to pee. Like you're, you're... I have to do that enough for my kids. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. 
But what about Rob Font? I mean, has has he topped out? Yeah, I think I said this last week. He's uh he's he's peaked already. Unfortunate for him. Uh, unforgiving game, and especially in this bantamweight division, it's always been tough to stay at the top. Not everyone's Jose Aldo. Where they just kind of, even if they fall off a little bit, they can work their way back up. 145 pound Josie Adam. So, yeah, and also credit to Aljamain Sterling. He was on, he was, got knocked out by Marlon Marais and he was able to, you know, work his way back up there. But you've seen it with guys like Marais, Burrell, Garbrandt. They, once you start sliding back down the other way, it, you're not coming back, especially in this one thing division. I'll say about, so. The one thing I'll say about Garbrandt is that he almost got there like too soon. It's kind of funny because he was like so early in his career. He hadn't really done that much and all of a sudden kind of got fast-tracked to the title shot. Ended up having more or less the perfect night for himself against Dominic Cruz. It was a very good performance. But like outside of that, yeah, I mean, he's been a very different fighter. And then I think I I would say that Marlon Moraes, I think, I think he peaked before he got to the title. I think there's a time he actually could have won that title and then ultimately just fell off from there. It's very important. I mean, you know how it is in the sport. You can fall very fast. Very fast. Mm-hmm. Now, that was why I was, when I w- we were talking, leading up to the Font Aldo, I was like, I was concerned that maybe Garbrandt was just coming down and that performance was just more of kind of a good uh, Font being good and Garbrandt being bad. So that was more of that. Uh, That's kind of so. It's always hard to say. I think he's peaked for sure. I think he's still a top 10 bantamweight for sure. I think... Yeah, but he's he's fun. I to think Marlon Moraes, like, or excuse me, uh, Mar- Marlon Vera is just definitely a an absolute beast right now. Yeah, he's I, only twenty nine too. Like he's really not that old. Not old at all. No. No. But he's fun. he's he's um he's Peter Jan's age. Yeah. So just just book Font to do fun fights. That's what I would do for now. Yeah, I would like to see him. Get, you know, I hope he gets like a little bit of a step back in competition. I'm not saying knock him way down, but but I think. Somewhere, yeah, something fun, something against maybe like the lower top 10. All right, you know what, Dan? I, I think probably we should just get to contested rounds anyway, right? Yeah, so we don't have too many, actually. Uh, just four out of 21, I believe, is the number. So honestly, percentage-wise, pretty good night from the judges. Um, we did, we're going to start with a fight that got a lot of people mad, though. Um, I don't think it's warranted. But let's talk about it. Let, let's talk about this fight, Dan. And, and that is Andre Arlovsky getting the split decision nod against Jake Collier. 29-28, two times for Arlovsky, and then the 30-27 the other way. Now, usually when you see that kind of score, it's it's everybody getting mad at, oh, my God, how could the other guy have seen all three rounds for them? But nope, everyone's on board with uh, Mike Bell, who was the out judge on both round two and three, which is how we got our score. So, Dan, let's start with round two. Why? Is this a round that could be a split round? Well, it's close round. It, round. It, it is a split round, yeah. It's close round, especially early. Both guys are landing. Uh, nothing Collier is landing appears to be matching what the commentary is saying. It feels like Arlovsky's head should probably be in the fifth row with some of the reactions we're getting early. But the reaction of the actual fighter, the one that actually matters, is pretty stoic. Maybe we have maybe we have to call it a poker face. And, and of course, the big boys are throwing, so it's going to be heavy. But it's not stopping Arlovsky from returning fire. It's true what they're saying. He's the faster guy, and you know, he is landing a bit more volume. But let's not kid ourselves here. He's the one that's landing heavy shots as well. Potentially heavy, potentially heavier shots than what Collier's landing. His head's getting snapped back. He's being stung with these shots that are, are forcing him to step back, reset. They both had a good round. They both landed some shots. It is close. But I think Arlovsky landed the better strikes, was more effective. The whole clinching grappling sequence was 
pretty ineffective. There's really nothing much to score from that. Very little, yeah. Arlovsky had a good flurry in the final 10 Even seconds, the down, by the way. which helps push it over for me. I like Arlovsky in a close round, saying clear, maybe pushing it a bit, but I think for Arlovsky, 10-9. Yeah, I would say close, but clear. I think it's just, it's a close round. Um, anytime you get the volume coming back both ways, um, which you really don't see in a lot of heavyweight fights, especially this was, this was not your typical, you know, mid-tier heavyweight slog that we kind of see get into round two and round three. It was actually kind of a compelling matchup. This one was, this one was an interesting, fun, fun, fun fight. A funner it's not someone's, fight. it's never going to be someone's fight of the night, but it was, it, I don't think anyone was like, oh man, turn this crud off. You yeah, know? it was entertaining enough. It was, I, I, I will give that to the big boys here. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I saw this as an Orlovsky round. I, I think he's landing the shots that are the most effective in the round. Yeah. That is not exactly what you're scoring there because it's not just that he's landing a few of the best. It's also, you know, the volume and everything like that. It's just, you know, context is everything. But this round, yeah, I think it's pretty solid for me. I felt pretty good about giving it to Orlovsky. But again, I can totally see the counter argument for Collier here. It's close. It's competitive. But, but yeah, you know, this is a no, close competitive. Just because round. the numbers are maybe leaning in the direction of Collier, depending on which numbers you're looking at. Um, I think we already talked about before. Numbers don't mean all that much, really, when it comes down to it. You, you really got to look at how much more one fighter diminished the other. And I think Arlovsky did a better job of that. Yeah. But yeah, the Mike Bell was the outjudge on this one. So neither of us saw it the same way as him. We saw it with Sal D'Amato and Doug Crosby. Round three, though, is essentially going to be the deciding round here because, again, we have two judges seeing it that way. So two judges have it 19 apiece going into the final round. What would you see here? Yeah, this was a super close uh, round. I can't believe people are calling this a robbery. I can't believe Dominic Cruz still thinks the last second takedown with zero effective offense behind it would steal a round. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I just want that on the record. I believe that from Dominic Cruz. John Anik even says, as the bell rings for the end of this round, man, I'd hate to be a judge. Like, this was a razor close round. How anyone can call this a robbery is is just insane to me. Both guys landed a good amount of salad punches. Arlovsky is busting up the face of Collier. It's bloody. It's swollen. Arlovsky just has the cut near his nose that was opened in the first round from the elbow. It's starting to get opened up maybe a little bit more. There's a little bit more blood trickling down. But the shots Collier are landing, especially the right hands, are the most effective of the round in my eyes. They're strong shots. But as were Arlovsky's, this round was really close. I lean Collier because I thought those shots that Collier landed were more effective, got good reactions from Arlovsky. He didn't fire back right away after being hit by those as often. Uh, He took a second or two to reset. But when he did return fire, he landed pretty good strikes. It's really close. 10-9 Collier is my score. And all those crying robbery, they need to stop. It's unwarranted here. It's I think it's a strong case where the commentary swaying that. Dan, can I tell you something about this this round in particular? Yeah. And this whole fight. Yeah. Robbery. Oh, I hate you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. It really wasn't. This this was a this was a very close round, and I actually ended up seeing it the other way, sir. I saw this one, uh, like judges D'Amato and Crosby, and again, like you said, super super close. I think. It, look, the way it comes down is that. In the criteria, if you can make your case based around the criteria, if you can justify it based on the criteria, you can give that round however you saw it. It's it's okay. 
around like this, as close as it is, there's no blows here that are putting either one of them in real danger, you know? There's not, like, a significant number of sequences that are just definitely going one fighter's way or the other. If it's close, you're leaving a lot up to subjectivity. And when it comes down to it, you have three guys who are seated cage side that are going to be in different angles, different obstructions, all sorts of things. They're going to hear things that we don't hear. They're going to see things that we don't see. They're also sometimes going to have obstructions come in their way that unfortunately get in the way too. So it makes it kind of a push in a lot of ways. You know, you get a little bit of good, you get a little bit of bad, right? Yeah, they just have a completely different perspective. And ultimately, home, so. this is a very defensible round either way. And that's why you can't possibly call this fight a robbery when you're talking about making making defensible arguments either way. You have to always ask yourself, okay, if this round went one way and someone else is saying no, it went the other way, at least give it this chance to watch it back and say, well, how could it get there? How could it be the other way? If you're just closing it off, then... You know, you're not really willing to learn anything about how fights are judged. Yeah, and Collier's face was bleeding because he was getting punched. And that, I mean, it's that's like, part of the criteria happens. too. That's so. visible damage like that is totally there, and that's isolated to round three. That's not there in round two. Mm-hmm. He's doing that. Arlovsky's doing that to Collier. But like yeah. you said, you you saw it the way of Collier. I saw it the way of Arlovsky. I think it's fine. You and I are split on this fight. The judges were split on this fight. I see no robbery here. I really They're don't. Calling it a robbery is just kind of crazy. It's so silly. Like, this is the this isn't the hill to die on, guys. It's just you know not. what I would call a robbery if someone said Cheeto won round one. I'd say that's okay. That's a robbery for that round. Well, that would be bad. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be that's, good at all. That's a round that we've just all you watched. Can't that. that could be considered a robbery, but no one did that. So no, and that's that's the thing. We have very few rounds like this at the UFC level that you cannot say, okay, at least I can understand how the judges really got there. That makes sense. Or even better than that, like realistically, it's not, you know, I, I hate the, I hate calling things a coin toss because then it just implies you're just picking, right? You're just saying, ah, I don't really know. I guess I'll go with that. But there are rounds that, again, are really close and you can see either way. And that in and of itself just makes it, you know, in a coin toss in the sense of you're you're up to where your perspective was if you're a judge you know which mm-hmm. whichever way the coin landed were you in the spot that ended up seeing some of those strikes that maybe were obstructed by some another you know the other judges if the referees walking in the way or if you've got the uh the cage door post in front of you or something like that some of the obnoxious parts of of judging that unfortunately judges have to deal with <laughs> yeah cameraman's walking in front of you Cameramen walking in front, not not so much at the UFC level. I guess at Bellator and maybe some smaller shows too. But uh, <laughs> I I think we've exhausted this fight. I'm exhausted of it, and I'm exhausted of people calling it a robbery. This is not a robbery. This should never make your list of robberies in the UFC. Please forget this fight happened. It was a nice fight that we're gonna never remember. I hope it's that way. Yeah. Let's move on to Marlon Vera again because we did have round two. Let's let's circle back to that one. This was the only split round of the fight, uh, which was, of course, 49-46 twice for Marlon Vera and 48-47. So that's how we get the, the split round in round two. Judges, of course, are Junichiro Camillo, Saldamato, and Mike Bell. Mike Bell is the outjudge again. Uh, to- just just totally out of whack to, to on this <laughs> event, Mike Bell. Where were you at, Mike Bell? Um, <laughs> Dan, what's happening in this round? Yeah, so it's kind of similar to round one where, you know, Font comes out, he's opening up again, landing his jab and his straight, 
And then what wakes Cheeto up is an elbow against a cage. And, you know, Cheetah's, he starts d- dancing or doing something. Yeah, he uh, did a little shimmy thing. I was I keep waiting for a gif of that. I haven't right, seen it yet. Right after that, he lands a spinning back uh, back kick to the stomach. And Rob found felt that one. Uh, he just... She does just not following up with much, really. I I like Dominic Cruz's commentary when he was talking about this. He's like very on point about technique and and strategy that Cheeto uses. He waits till the final two minutes to try to catch up on volume, and I thought that was that was what actually did happen uh, a lot of this fight. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, it's good scouting. Uh, Cheeto's defending well. I he does his homework, you know, Dan. <laughs> he does do his work. <laughs> Maybe he just does more. He does the extra credit where others maybe they don't. Do, is, do that's the, what he was insinuating. He does extra credit while others do under credit. Yes, they just but don't hand in. Their possibly homework. considered yeah. reading three and a half pages of a PDF. Yeah, it's just stay in your lane. Ring generalship. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Cheeto's defended well. As I mentioned earlier, he's deflecting a lot of these punches in my eyes, and there's a crazy output from Font. You know, of course, some are actually landing. Uh, a decent amount too, because he's throwing just so many of them. I just don't think they're that strong. I think uh, there's some decent impact, but nothing crazy really. Uh, Cheeto isn't throwing much, but you know I, we mentioned that he kind of turns it on a little bit later. Uh, it's clear how hard he's landing and how much when he's font, landing, he's and, landing hard. And how much Font does not care for it is quite evident. A stiff jab completely stopped Font from throwing a strike, and he's like, "Whoa." I got to gather myself. That was tough. Uh, then he lands a nice head kick, and he lands a strong body kick that, that again, had a uh, font like, okay, we got to regroup here, and just kind of got him on the defensive for a little bit. And, and then he just started attacking with his combos again, and Cheeto led him. And then, finally, he lands that left hook that drops him, wobbles him in that final 30 seconds, and he's uh, landing some elbows and punches to end the round. So I am on Vera, 10-9. I'm definitely on Vera, 10-9. I think he totally flipped the round in that final 25 seconds. Like that, again, I think to borrow Sean Sheehan, that's how you steal a round. You steal a round not with a takedown late at the end, <laughs> like like Dominic Cruz was saying at the end of the fight, uh, the previous fight. That's how you steal a round. You take it from a situation where, okay, you're definitely being outlanded. Uh, there is a, there's a disparity there, and it's hard. It's going to be hard to make it up unless you can hurt him drop him, put him in real trouble. And he that's what Marlon in, Vera did. He was in real trouble. He flipped trouble. it. He I, flipped it. Once once he got into that situation, like the only thing that Fawn is doing is holding on. He's just like, please don't hit me. And that is not where you want to be. If you're if you're trying to win a round, you got to at least be trying something. No, look, he's not thinking, oh, I got to try and win the round. He's thinking, please don't hurt me anymore. I want to get to the bell. I gotta get my get my wits about me. He's probably not even thinking about the bell. He's just like, I need to get back to a point where I feel like I can defend myself again because he got hit hard. Yes, he was he was in a bad way. I hope everyone was able to follow my uh, me on that round there. Dominic Cruz kind of threw me off. I'm sorry about threw that. Threw me sir. off my train of thought there. <laughs> he, he does that. He can do that. Was, that. That's that's that awkward style that Dominic. It Cruz really it really was. I, it's yeah. That was <laughs> it was a font round up until he got hurt. That's what I was. Where I was trying there's, to go there's a it. good summation, yeah. And it, wa- was, it was pretty much going to be a font round until then, but he totally flipped it 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no disrespect to Mike Bell, who's a fantastic judge, but I would strongly disagree. I, I really do think that this is supposed to be a Marlon Vera round. Yeah, it. I I would think so. I feel good about it. 
uh, real quick, it ended up you, not mattering. Real quick, you wouldn't go yeah. 10-8 in any of these rounds, right? No, I don't okay. think so. I mean, you know, I, I had kind of the thoughts. I'm like, are we supposed to go to 10-8 when we get in these situations? And my thinking is no, based on the way the criteria is. But I think about, and I would have to look at each of, each of these individual rounds to make up, uh, make up my mind because I'm not watching it with that mindset. But obviously, we've done past judgment for several years. We, we've kind of downplayed it in recent uh, recent months while we focus more on you know, every day, you know, every week events. Right. Mm -hmm. But in past judgment where we use our, our CSJ scoring criteria, where we kind of stretch it out a little bit, we try to get a little bit more liberal with the use of eights uh, and sevens with the definition of them, you know, essentially just to stretch out the abilities of the 10 point must system. Right. Mm -hmm. These rounds, you got to at least start thinking about them as CSJ 10 eights. Yeah. Probably CSJ 10 eights. I don't know where I would land. I would have to really see it every time. But again, I, I think you can start thinking about it because it's like, man, if he's hurt that bad, like that really should be different. See, I was I thought he was hurt more. He was hurt worse in other rounds that knee to the head. No, 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 um, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I would say probably you're but, right. I think this is this is maybe one of the rounds that I wouldn't necessarily get there to. But I don't know. It's it's tough to say. How about the sweet chin music that had him on ice skates? I was like, oh, my goodness. Shawn Michaels is here. Shawn Michaels is not there. But he wasn't. That was Marlon Vera, yeah. sir. I know they look they look similar. They do. <laughs> I know H the, HBK all shaved the tattoos his head that, that HBK has. Shaved his head. Is that right? He's he's bald. Oh. Does he have a scorpion <laughs> tattoo on his head too? He might now. Okay. All right. Well, then I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was the only round, of course. Uh, everything went Marlon Vera's way, at least at the end of the final three rounds, uh, which is really all he needed to do because he was always hurting him. It was wild. He dropped. He dropped. Uh, at least by the UFC's numbers, he dropped uh, Rob Font in rounds two, three, and four, and he hurt him in round five too. I would rather them, you know, talking about statistics and stuff, the stupid statistics that the UFC measures. What they really would be better off, uh, better served to do is measure the times that they're like hurt. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if they were dropped. It, I'm talking about times where they're like they're clearly backing away. They're trying to like get away because you know they're hurt. You know what I mean? Mm. It's still subjective, but like someone could watch and identify those type of moments. You know, desperation, double legs, wounds. You know, times wounded, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of things. I think that would be a much more interesting thing because that would be a really good measure for how dangerous a striker is. Times where they had to cover up on the ground and they're like, no, please don't hurt me. Just even make, if they survived it. Just call it significant strikes because that's actually significant. That could be significant strikes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, significant strikes is a stupid stat. It's the dumbest stat in sports. Exactly. That's what I said the other night. That's why you should be on board with me. About what? About not being significant. Wait, from, what? From earlier. Oh, oh. Yeah. I don't know. Get on board. You, We're going to end went significant. Way too far, sir. We're going to end significant strikes, even if it means taking something out with us. No, I'm right. not with you, sir. All right. I'm on my own then. You are. You are. That's okay, though. You and I can All disagree. Right. Fair. And we're not in the same room, so we can't hurt each other. That's true. Yeah. Recording remotely tonight. Uh, but we do have one more contested round, and that is uh, Natan Levy, who got the win over Mike Breeden. Unanimous decision, 229-28 and a 30-27. Round three is the only round that we are talking about. By this point, Breeden needed a finish or a 10-8, and he didn't really get bad. But we, we are talking about as far as who won the round. Dan, what happens in round three? Yeah, I thought this was a really fun round. Uh, it was. Opened up with Levy landing the body kick. The same time he eats a punch, gets backed up against the fence. He's eating shots. Uh, 
a lot of them are covered up, but he's still some are getting through. Uh, Levy looked like he was getting tired though, and it didn't help that he was getting beat up too. So his cardio was kind of shot. That never helps. <laughs> he does land a, a solid shot every now and again. I, I believe he landed a jumping knee as well. Uh, that kind of rocked Breeden uh, a little bit. Uh, but Breeden was all over him, throwing everything, landing good, getting good reactions. Uh, he hurt him a couple times. But in that final minute, uh, Levy somehow finds some energy that he didn't have for the first four. And he uh, wobbles Breeden with a nice left. Uh, it just wasn't enough for me to give him the round. But I don't mind... Uh, if someone scored it for Levy. Yeah, for a while, it's not looking like it, it should be right. a Levy round. Yeah. It really isn't. It's just, it's almost like hard to defend. But then, yeah, he does change the game. What, was it three and a half minutes in? I thought it was more closer to there. like the final minute. Was it? Really? Okay. I don't I don't know was, the exact timestamp. It was pretty late in there anyway. But yeah, he, he absolutely, uh, Levy does start to tighten it up a little bit. And I get it. I can get why. Adelaide Bird ended up scoring it that way. I think it was probably a little too much to go Levy's way, but I can see it, and and I don't really hate the score. Yep. So we're on pace. I guess it's kind of like okay, I, I can I can understand. I mean, she could justify it with the criteria. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, I think you can. Um, Mike Bell was in the majority on this one. Actually, he was in he was in every contested round for this one. Um, and with Sal Damas. So mm-hmm. we were all on the same page for Mike Breeden. Didn't matter. He lost the fight. It is what it is. I mean, you could do anything you want there. It's not going to change the fact that Natan Levy had won the, the fight. And that is it for contested rounds. We have six finishes from this one, Dan. Three TKOs, three subs, and three first-round finishes. I knew it would give you your favorite when it happened because I know you were watching later. But what was your favorite finish? Romanov's Americana. Alexander Romanov, yep. Of uh, Chase Sherman. I mean, how can that not be your favorite? I think there's only three in, you know, since the Zufa took over. We had Nick Catone, we had John Jones, and now we got Alexander Romanov. But why are there so few, Dan? Because it's the day one sub that you learn. <laughs> and if you can get someone with it, that's darn near impressive. Yeah, uh, it's impressive in, in its own way. That was. It's impressive. There's a. There's a. Oh God! How many fights does Chase Sherman have in the UFC? He's got. I think he's got at least ten. This isn't someone who was making their debut. He still got paintbrushed. He. Yeah, that's kind of. I wouldn't want to say embarrassing, but it's, no, no, no. There's nothing embarrassing Romanov, about it. And I will not call it embarrassing because I would get my butt kicked in the UFC. Right, Romanov. That to get someone with with that is very impressive. But Chase was not happy with his performance. No, he shouldn't be. And he, shouldn't be happy. Yeah, he, he definitely, lost. I mean, to be honest, he did look like a plus 1100 underdog. He kind of did, yeah. So, In my head, I'm like, man, I mean, you kind of have to at least try with this guy, right? If you're a better, you got to like throw a buck on him and just see how it goes. You yeah. might win 11 bucks back. You could. But yeah, no. Was was, was uh, the uh, the odds were just about right there. They nailed the way it. I the way I looked at it was like, listen, these guys are heavyweights. Like anything could happen. Did Chase Sherman even th- get to throw a punch? He actually, yes. Uh, uh, Shaheen Al Shadi shared the UFC stats from that fight, and he did not accrue any stats. That's a legit shutout. It was it was really just like like a trading dummy. Wow. It was really impressive. <laughs> Like in in its own way, um, well, I knew you were gonna pick that. Good one on him for taking the fight. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but like, don't forget this fight. They it was supposed to be for last week, and then Sherman had to pull out. But UFC's like, no, 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 don't worry. We'll make sure you get it next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
and he got paid. Good for him. Like, that, yeah. That's you know, the name end of the day, he still got paid. Um, and I'm happy for Chase Sherman in that respect. But that was oof, that was an ugly one. Um, I was actually a little bit surprised, just a little surprised. I knew you were gonna pick this, but a little surprised too that you didn't just say, you know what, maybe I'm going to pick the uh Francisco Figueredo knee bar. That was nice too. But it was nice, and it was so it was so awesome because it been like it was in the, it's just a great scramble that it just kind of boom there, and he like ended up in like the deep position for it really quick, and it was over. That was good too. But if anytime you're on Americana, Americana wins. Americana just, versus versus Omoplata would be tough. I think Omoplata would win. You have to if you don't pick Omoplata, like I'm gonna just kick you off the show. It depends who does it. No, Mm-mm. it depends. No, it doesn't. You are if, obsessed with Omoplata, if, sir. If Damian Maya gets Americaned, that might be the greatest submission in UFC all, uh, of all time. That would just be sad. Like we should mourn if that happens. <laughs> I we don't know. Check on his mental it, state it, the it, next it, day. It, it would be based on who the opponent is and and how they set it up and all the little uh, details. If his opponent had a terminal illness and he wanted to give this opponent maybe some sort of like going away present okay i guess i could understand it but otherwise no that's not happening <laughs> it's not happening what was your favorite uh you know i i almost went with the knee bar but you know i, I had to give uh some respect here to joe anderson brito uh for putting away andre feely in 41 seconds feely mm-hmm. is not the type of guy who just gets finished no he's very durable normally he so to do that to him so quickly was really really impressive especially because realistically this matchup was like very weird it really shouldn't have happened. Dealey is, he has worked to get to his point in his career where he's much higher up. He's not, I don't think he's ranked or anything like that. And he's probably not even knocking on the door, but he's, I think he's solidly somewhere in like the top 25 or 30 at his division. And that's not where Brito was. So now he kind of is, you know, now, now he takes that spot. Well, I think Dana White's a huge fan of Brito since contender series. He I see. Him. I'm not as up to, on the contender so. series guys. That's the thing. I don't know the histories with all that. Yeah. He's a, his cardio is a little suspect. Well, if he wins in 41 seconds, win it doesn't quick, matter, does he's it? He's good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I heard he only has like 54 seconds of cardio in him, so he's he was totally No, he fine. was all right, so he's good then. <laughs> uh, but that, that is it for, for UFC Vegas 53. Uh, we have a really busy fight weekend coming up, sir. Yeah, it's, it's this is quite busy. Friday in particular is crazy. There is a Bellator in the afternoon going off from Paris. There is a PFL in the evening. They're still in Arlington, Texas. We're going to start with uh, looking at Bellator 280 uh, first, which again is in Paris, France. Uh, the judges for this one, I understand they're getting in some some of the really good traveling judges as well. I'm sure it's not much of a twist of the arm to get top officials to, to go to Paris. Well, the MF work mf should help immaf sure i believe they, i'm sure they, there's going to be some local so. officials but realistically I, i've already heard there's a few top judges that are going out there anyway okay. because again if you could go to paris to work what are you going to say no it's going to sound crazy but yeah paris is not on one of my top destinations so so let me ask you this if it was up to you what would you rather do would you rather go to paris france or would you rather go to phoenix well i would rather go to neither because i'm going to vegas this weekend uh and but, that's where i want to be but so. let's say you are let's say you're the one who's going to be working as a judge. Yeah. You can pick one or the other. What are you picking? Oh, Phoenix for sure. I I got really no desire to go to to France or Paris or I'll be honest, it's not high on my list either, but like shoot, I, I'd rather go there than Phoenix. Like Italy? Yeah, I'll go to Italy. Oh yeah, 100%. But, like I'd rather go I'm going to I'll just go to Italy instead. Okay. I'll just take the assignment and then I'll like <laughs> 
just go to Italy. Like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, yeah, Bellator 280, it is headlined by Ryan Bader defending his heavyweight title against Czech Kondo, who is a, a Frenchman himself. Uh, they're getting a they're getting a nice event here as far as uh, as far as that goes to get a get a nice championship fight with one of their guys. Yeah, that works. How do you see this fight? Is this something you're interested in? I, the, the first fight ended in a very weird way. What was the first fight? How did it end? Eye poke? I believe that was what it was. I'm gonna go with Ryan Bader TKO round two. Okay, that's uh why? I mean, why why, why are you leaning that when's way? When's the last time we? Congo's so old. I mean, he, yeah, he is very old. I, I check. When's the last time he check Congo even fought? That he last fought. Yeah. Recently enough. Yeah. Let me double check, but yeah. No, I'm good. Oh, it's not like he's just been sitting on the sideline for a couple of years. I wouldn't know. He last fought Sergey Karatanov in August. How'd that go? Guess oh, he, he won. I guess he won. Yeah. Come on. That's a I don't know. to give a fighter off of a title loss. I Or off a loss. To I don't know off. that. I've seen it happen. Yeah, no. He So he he lost a split decision to Timothy Johnson uh, in October 2020. And th- and that was actually in Paris as well. Uh, and then he beat Karatanov in August by sub. But yeah, the first one it was it was like in the first round, I po- accidental eye poke ended the fight. So um, no no stunner, a foul in a Czech Congo fight. Yeah, I'm sticking with Ryan Bader round two TKO. I think I will also go with Bader, but I actually could see this one going the distance. I'm going to say Bader decision. Uh, and Czech Congo, by the way. Later this month turns 47. We're That's... talking about Randy Couture level. Yeah. Heh. He's been in the game a long time. Um, I There's at least two other fighters on this card that I'm interested in. Are you interested in the same ones as me? The ones that are on our little list here? Yeah, I suppose. Do you want to reveal who those are? Yeah. Uh, Yoel Romero is uh, fighting Alex Palizzi at 205. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Palizzi in that one. I will pick Yoel Romero. And then we got Lorenz Larkin. My third round knockout. Oh. Because, look, if you're going to pick your Maroon, you might as well pick third-round knockout. It's a safe pick. Yeah. For if you're picking him that way. Yep. Uh, Lorenz Larkin and Kyle Stewart at 185. Okay. I uh, got Larkin. Decision. I like Larkin. I've I've been a fan of Larkin for a while. Um, I still think 170 is his best class, but, I, I mean, at this point, maybe he's a little bigger. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pick Larkin, too. I'll say decision. Right. The PFL card, though, later in the evening is, honestly, the, the main card's really good. Yeah, that is good. At least as far as some of the you know the names on there, uh, some of the matchups are a little lopsided. But you, you've at least got some good star power here. Uh, the welterweights and the women's lightweights are in action, plus uh, a delayed lightweight fight between Anthony Pettis and Miles Price. Now Miles Price has not fought in three years. His last win though was a decision victory over Peter Quigley. Okay. So that's a good some, win. He's got some game there, but it, I mean, it's 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 a weird situation. He hasn't fought in three years. His record's eleven and seven. It's it's he's kind of a, this, this weird space of his career. It's really hard to give take him very seriously against Anthony Pettis. I spoke to Pettis actually the other day. He certainly isn't sleeping on the guy, um, but it's still a weird one. I just don't understand why this is matched up. Other than hey, let's make sure we get Anthony Pettis a win. Okay, that's, it's just, that's, that's, that's the way it, it, it looks very like that, yeah. It just looks so transparently that way because last year they may matched him up with, uh, and Pettis said this, but I agree. They matched him up against probably the two best guys in the in the class other than him in uh, in Clay Collard and Hausch Manfio. Manfio ended up winning it all. Clay Collard's looked very good in just about every fight. He just didn't get all the way through, right? Mm. I'm definitely picking Pettis here. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say round two submission. Pettis knockout. 
head kick. Okay. Round one. This isn't even the main event. The main event is, of course, Kayla Harrison. Uh, as pr- At this point, if she's on the card, she's the main event. It makes sense. She's the biggest star in PFL. She's got Marietta M- Moknakina in this one, who I, my understanding is, I mean, I've, I've been familiar with the name before. I don't think she's quite the pushover that some of the other competition that has been fielded against Kayla Harrison has been in most of these fights, but I still, I'm going to. I'm going to pick Kayla Harrison by first round submission. Kayla Harrison. It's the only thing that makes First sense. round, whatever she wants. Whatever she wants, right. Uh, more interesting, Ray Cooper the third, defending welterweight champion, two-time welterweight champion, uh, against Magomed Umalaitov. You got to pick here? Ray Cooper. He's going to win it a third time. I will say Ray Cooper by second round TKO. All right. And lastly, we have Rory McDonald and Brett Cooper. This is actually a nice competitive fight. I like this one. Rory Mack is back. I'm going to go with Rory. Is he going to win? Yeah, he's going to win a uh, rear naked choke. I will say decision over Brett Cooper. Okay. Judges for this one are probably going to be some combination of Robert Basinger, Dan Matheson, and somebody else who's been with them the last two weeks because they've been on every fight the last two weeks. That makes sense. It's just, a, it, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people who are judging fights midweek in uh, Arlington, Texas, <laughs> apparently. Uh, I, I have no reason to expect they're going to get any traveling judges in there or even more well-known texas judges uh, it's probably what we're getting but honestly the judging has not been a problem at pfl yet maybe it will be now we, who knows we'll, we're probably gonna get quite a few decisions coming out of this one lightweights in the pfl oh not not lightweights um welterweights in the pfl i think are more likely to get to the decisions than, than uh, mm-hmm. the heavyweights and the light heavyweights as we've seen mm-hmm. so we'll see what we get the real meat though of this weekend is ufc 274 of course on saturday two title fights yeah. Which of the two are you most excited for? I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, uh, Oliver and Gaethje. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, do you like the? What do you think that the this matchup actually like really means? Do you think it determines like absolutely like we finally have like the number one lightweight in the world unquestioned post? We're still questioning Charles Oliver as number one. I don't think so, but like at this point now, it kind of almost like finishes a little tournament. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, maybe. Because we had, after Khabib retired, of course, we had, I don't know why they put that title fight together. It really shouldn't have been, but it was Oliveira against Michael Chandler, right? right? And then you have the winner of that faces Dustin Poirier, who had just fought not too long ago, at least, against Khabib Nurmagomedov. And then, of course, you have Justin Gaethje, who had not fought too long ago against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Those were the two guys that I think everybody viewed as like, okay, these were at least one and two. But Dustin beat Justin. Right, but I think there's still even question about who ought to have been number one even after that? Because Justin Gaethje had been the number one contender. He'd been the the interim title uh, winner the most recently, too. Okay. So the point is not that necessarily. I, I think it's realistically you should be absolutely treating Charles Oliveira as the number one here. But the winner of this one, I think it, it closes off kind of that like post-Khabib time. Okay. And it just it totally moves everything forward. I guess so. I never really, I never really thought of it that way. I guess I just think of things like that. I don't know. I, I, because whenever somebody relinquishes the belt, it's like it leaves the division in a weird place. No one beat the best guy. He just went away. No. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how I looked at the, uh, the Sterling and Jan situation too. Is I thought these were two of the best. These were the two best guys. And then once we had them finish it off, it's like okay, there's closure. Now we're now we can move forward. And then of course Sahuda's coming back. So now it's like I want that one. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I just want, I want the best to beat the best and then move forward. You know what I mean? I got but it. whoever, I mean, realistically, 
if Gaethje wins that one, then it almost complicates things for me too. But I, I will, I will go with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's your pick in this one? I should say. Uh, I like Oliveira. This one, round three, TKO. Uh, he's been on an absolute tear. Uh, the one worry here is that he likes to get rocked and then weather the storm. And I don't then, know that he likes it, sir, and but then he certainly welcomes it enough that it happens. He turns it on after he weathers the storm and he does great things. The problem is I don't know if a storm from Justin Gaethje could be weathered as well as, I, as a Chandler storm or a Poirier storm. So I, I am going to go with Justin Gaethje here. I do think okay. he's going to get the job done. I'm going to say second round TKO. Yep. That, but that, it would not surprise me in the not, least if Oliver comes out of this. And honestly, if, if he wins this, if he wins this fight, Oliveira beats Gaethje here. To have beaten Ferguson, Chandler, Poirier, and Gaethje in succession, like that's easily the best lightweight run in UFC history. It's not even close. Like Khabib has to come back for that, right? No. I think he's very happy <laughs> sitting around with Hasbro in his lap. <laughs> I don't think he cares about anything anymore other than just chilling and, and eating uh, uh, burgers. And getting uh, Islam the title shot next. Well, and, and thinking of, of Islam Makhachev and, and Khabib Nuragomedov, uh, uh, happy uh, Eid Mubarak. I, I think that's the right way to say it. That's the end of uh, Ramadan. So wishing wishing the best for all of our Muslim listeners. I hope I said it right. But um, Eid. It's Eid. My son actually told me. Um, but yeah, so my, my pick is Gaethje. Your pick is Oliveira. Very curious to see how that one goes. I think that's like there's not a whole lot of times where I think the 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 main event fight is absolutely like the banger fight on the card, but this one definitely is. Oh yeah, very excited for it. No matter how it goes. Uh, the other fight, of course, the other title fight, Rose Namajunas against your favorite Carlos Barza, uh, is for the 115 pound title fight, a rematch seven and a half years in the making. <laughs> I I'm interested to see how this one goes because honestly, like you should favor. Rose in this one, but I don't know, man. I mean, Carla might just have like the the right style to give her problem. I don't favor Rose at all in this fight. I really, think, I think Rose has to not get taken down. She doesn't really do that, and Esparza is very good at that. So unfortunately, my pick is actually Esparza by decision. I can only wow. hope by some divine intervention, Esparza doesn't want to wrestle on Saturday night or for the brief time it's standing. Rose can land something and get a finish. So you don't have any faith in Rose's takedown defense? Not at all. Wow. Okay. I guess I believe more in, in her well-roundedness at this point eh. to be able to weather. I think it's going to be – I, I love the fa- the matchup in terms of, like, again, the tactical situation here. I just don't know how it's really going to work out. I think it's it's more interesting than, than it might seem on paper. Um, I am going to pick Rose, and I do think it's going to be a decision. I hope it's but I Rose. think it could be close. I hope it's Rose. <laughs> I am not. I, if I have to, I'm making a pick, Esparza by decision. Look, if it's any consolation, you know I spoke to her the other day. I spoke to Carla Esparza. Mm-hmm. I also spoke to Rose Namajunas. Uh, it was it was lovely to speak to both of them. They're they're very interesting people. Um, Carla doesn't seem like a bad person, Dan, so if she wins, hey, she's getting married next week, too. Or the next week. Okay. Good for her. <laughs> what about some, oh, this is Arizona, too, by the way. So... The judges here, I'm sure we'll get some of the local judges, um, maybe like a, a Chris Flores or, or anyone like that. Arizona, we haven't had as many problems with over the years, I think, as far as kind of weird decisions from local judges. Hopefully there will still be some judges who did not go to Paris, you know, maybe some of the California guys. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully judging is not a big factor here. But if it is, then we'll have a show. 
the the undercard behind these title fights though is pretty freaking loaded, dude. Yeah, Chandler and Ferguson. Chandler and Ferguson. I I'm going to go with Chandler here, but it'd be interesting to see if Tony Ferguson can find one more in him because he he's just been in a bad way. Yeah, I got Chandler decision here. Can't finish. Tony I will Ferguson. say I'm going to say Chandler decision too. What else we got? We got Shogun going against Ovin St. Prue. Guess he isn't retired. I was thought Shogun no, Ovin St. Prue is not retired. You're right. <laughs> I thought Shogun was retired. No, no, he didn't oh, retire. Okay. He's around. like he's pretty much like the last pride guy in the <laughs> UFC because Overeem was cut last year, um, and then Lil Nog retired after he fought Shogun. Technically. Robbie Lawler had a Pride fight, but I believe that was in the United States at the very end of Pride. So it doesn't really count as like being a Pride guy. You know what I mean? Okay. So he's kind of like the last guy, man. It's 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 fascinating. I mean, end of an era. Pride never die. Crazy. Stuff. But he's not retiring here. I don't believe so. I don't know about that. Oh, I'm going OSP TKO. I'm going to say Shogun decision. All right. Pride never die. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy Cerrone. Now here's someone who I I legitimately did think was retired. Cowboy Cerrone's going against Joe Lozon. Yeah, I didn't know Joe Lozon was still fighting. Yeah, well he really hasn't been. So that's the thing. Cerrone decisions. I don't know when the last time he fought is actually. I'm gonna look it up for us right now. He last fought in 2019, October 2019. So he hasn't fought since the start of the pandemic. It's been two and a half years. Yep, it's a tough test to come back to. But he did win his last fight. Who was it against? Jonathan Pierce. Okay. In friendly Baston. Cerrone decision. I will say Cerrone decision too. But hopefully it'll be a fun fight. Mm. And hopefully it doesn't take years off of their lives. <laughs> At this point in their careers, they just don't need it. Randy Brown against Chaos Williams. I'm always a big fan of uh, Chaos Williams fights. He's he's an interesting character. Or not yeah. character, but an interesting fighter, I should say. Brown easy decision. Brown easy decision. Wow. Yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for Randy Brown too, but... He's the better fighter. Chaos just has power in this one. I'm going to say Randy Brown. I'm going to say very close decision. Oh, all right. I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, and and uh, this is one of your guys, dude. Brandon Royville. And Matt Schnell. Back in there against Matt Schnell. Yeah, Royville sub. First round? Probably. I'm going to say Royville decision. Okay. And then He doesn't go to the decision last, often. This last one you actually put on here. Yeah, because I was just happy that UFC actually granted someone their wish of getting right back in there. Very That's fast. right, Andre Filio did a fought recently, and he's like, "Gotta get me on like one of these cards, right?" Yeah, so it looks like a showcase. Cameron Van Camp. I couldn't find much on him. I don't know a ton about Van Camp. So I'm gonna go Fialo round one KO. I'm gonna say uh, Van Camp round one submission. Oh, all right. I don't know. Just going against you. All pretty right. Much. That's that was really the only reason. I don't have any reason to pick against him. That does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again Monday or no Tuesday. No Tuesday. 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 Because you're in Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas this weekend. It's gonna. I'll have to catch up and watch the fights after. We'll be delayed by a day, but we're also uh, we're planning to have uh, a third judge with us. So stay tuned. No, oh, that'll be fun. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, have a great week. Thank you.